You're listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast with me, Nathan Johnson, and my co-hosts, Carl Kaczynski and Rami Bassi. We hope you enjoy the show. I'll, I'll, I'll just hit record. Ooh. And probably mute myself while the baby's crying. But... <laughs> so who's going to start then? You're, you know, you're... Well, no, I was just going to... I mean, do, you want, do, we wanna, do we wanna talk about kind of the challenges of remote working? I feel like, yeah, because the topic is remote teaching, but yeah. the, the crying baby in the background proves to be a perfect backdrop for some of the challenges with remote anything, right? Yeah. Um, like, you know, people have got families at home. That's, that's a big challenge right there. And then... There we go. Yeah, I'll put that in then. So as you can, as you can hear, um, some of the challenges of um, remote working and today we're going to look at and talk about kind of some of the challenges of remote teaching over this time um we're currently in our second lockdown um so what's the date today um i think i'll reference the date it is the 20th of november um so whenever you're listening to this we are right in the middle of that um second lockdown um schools and universities are open um to kind of teach as normal so some of the I've, I've spoken to a few people who are still going on to campus um whether that's to do work um i think most of the teaching is done online um at the moment so i mean that's good and i mean i'm aware you're probably aware um that students have been asked to self-isolate for, is it a couple of day weeks before Christmas so they can go um, go and enjoy or go home, enjoy Christmas with their families. Um, so that'll impact on the remote teaching moving into the end, um, well, moving into December, which may, may impact on um, assessments as well. So assessments um, at our institution are um, in January. So there'll be a big break before Christmas. And then we're looking at, um, depending on what the government, what the government say. So I think the, the, the whispers, whispers at the moment are five days at Christmas and then a month of lockdown after, afterwards in January. Um, so again, that's going to impact on kind of what teaching looks like and this whole conversation that we've had in the past about about kind of that remote the remote teaching the emergency emergency distance um, material um, and I get the feeling that some people were thinking that it may get more normal more normal now whereas actually for this for this whole year I don't think I don't think it's going to change um, and just as uh, kind of um, some feedback a colleague was a staff student um, forum where all the students were feeding back and the feedback from the first years was actually quite good I mean from I guess from students that haven't had that experience of um, campus teaching the feedback of the third years the final years was more critical um but with that final year comes the stresses of actually 
kind of what is my assessment going to be? What are my grades going to be um, coming out of my degree? So it, it's a real stressful time for them um, and having to kind of do something new as well. So we gain, we gain feedback on what the remote teaching is. Um, one of the priorities for where I work is to look at some of this um, blended material and see if we can embed it kind of across the, across multiple programs, across the schools, um, colleges. So when someone's doing good work, we can pick that out and say, cool, this works. Let's see if we can kind of embed that and use that within other modules, other programs. Um, and just use and just kind of start highlighting some of this this good work that a lot of the academics um, have been producing. But now, I mean, that was a that was quite a long introduction, actually. I'll throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was quite interesting how you went straight to the um, the learner experience and the the learning. I, like going back to some of my early teacher training days like one of the first things that we were introduced to I mean you get introduced to it all the time was Maslow's hierarchy of needs and as a teacher making sure that the very very basic needs of the students are taken care of like safety and security the right equipment so in a classroom setting it might be you know everyone's got a table and chairs there's access to the uh, appropriate ventilation they've got access to the exits and things like that before you can even get to a good teaching and learning environment and I wonder with the remote teaching with all of the challenges that we're facing so uh, you can't control whether someone has a spare room to study and you can't control what equipment they have. You can't control necessarily the bandwidth that they've got before we even get to this is amazing pedagogy. Like, are we dealing with those basic needs of the students so that staff are enabled to, to do their job as teachers? So if you're you, you may have the most fantastic lesson in the world, but if only 70 percent of your students can access it, um, then we haven't kind of done the groundwork before we even get to that stage. And I feel like there are, there are more fundamental challenges to deal with before, before we even get to the point of talking about excellent resources and, and teaching and learning. Um, and I'd, and I'd, I'd say across the board as well. So not just, so the idea of, uh, and, you, and you see this quite a bit of one person having a, a thought about it, and they have excellent resources. They think about their students. And then you've got the student's next module. And then that person potentially hasn't thought about anything. Um, and then the, it's, it's usually the difference between them, not necessarily kind of what, how, what their level is. It's if I can see a difference, then I, have, then I start questioning okay why is why is that one better than this other one whereas actually you're right i think what we should be doing is is finding that bar finding that bar across the board which is okay let's figure out how how we get all of our students to the same level yeah. and then, then let's build on that rather than what happens a lot within higher education is everyone it's each to their own everyone just does does their own little bit i mean you could start by setting the bar incredibly low uh, and then you can only improve from there right but i mean why 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 wouldn't you why wouldn't you set the bar so low that 
even the people that don't want to do it can can reach that bar because as much as you're limiting the people that want to do and want to strive what you have to think about is the overall experience yeah i was saying it i think i was saying it well no i know i was saying it quite flippantly i think like the, the problem with setting bars or minimum requirements is it becomes a target rather than the absolute minimum and everyone's like well i've done that now i'll move on to the next thing and I, think, some, I think sometimes you need targets you need you need to set something because it, it's it gets to the point where you'll have you will have people striving because they care They'll be like, okay, I want to, I want to push my students. I want to kind of, I want to innovate. I want to do something different. And then you have the next person, which is, well, I, I actually don't want to do anything. And I do feel, can you, can you get to that point of innovating when the, the person next to you isn't even performing? Should that time and effort go into raising them up and then looking at innovating across the board? um i just think i i do think we need to we need to have a target we need to set a bar um whatever that's and just for the students sake only if those targets come with some sort of repercussions like if you're just setting a target and people miss them and then nothing happens or about it it's basically an inconsequential target isn't it it's like well i won't do that and what's going to happen as a result yeah and I think that we, I think one of the biggest problems is the fact that, that we are working on kind of maybe not false assumptions, but the wrong assumptions, because especially when this, the, the, the pandemic first and the lockdown first kicked in in March, uh, majority of the things that we were supposed to do in terms of the promoting remote teaching or promoting remote working, it was kind of the panic resource. And we were hoping, yeah, you know, it's the lockdown. It's going to last for a few months, but then it goes away and then it gets back to very normality however we define our normality or we're going to get back to the times pre-pandemic. And now more we go into it, it actually, you know, and with all of the great stuff that is happening with the vaccines and all that great stuff that is happening in, in various um, uh, universities across the world that the world that is looking into the treatment of the COVID-19, I think that we realistically we are not looking for, for like proper coming back to the reality for the next few years. And there are some some voices that are uh, strongly promoting that because you know the economy is gonna get massive kick, and and the people interactions and things like that. So we might not get back to the uh, levels or the normality before COVID for a long period of time. And I think rather than striving to coming back, it's actually what can we do to enforce learning and actually to put those targets low and adopt it as the new normal way of working so everyone can benefit from it rather than striving, yeah, 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 it's just a temporary solution. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't get it right. You know, we get back to normal teaching soon, but the fact is the soon might never come back or might never, might never appear. So what we can do to change the narrative and to adopt to the current situation, to the current situation rather than, yeah, it's just the panic resource, it's gonna be okay soon. And I guess as as Remy said, what is the consequence of that? Because I can sit here and I and and yeah, I can say, well, it could be great. Um, so when you say it's only going to be a few months, then my kind of I don't know my ideas where okay, I'll get in, I'll get in there and I'll kind of start some of these conversations, um, and let's let's properly look at 
kind of what's working well, what's not working well in with with um, the academics across the different programs and seeing okay how can we how can we kind of work with them to actually create some of these materials but as as we've seen as we've all seen you can you can make suggestions you can have a plan you can have a process but without any kind of escalation process or without any consequences it, it does fall it does fall down and it falls down a lot um for us but this is why I'm in favour of like, like, I get that you've got to have some sort of minimum standard, but I would say only if that comes with consequences and also the right support put in place to help people achieve those minimum standards. So when we're working from like what well, the example I gave about when we're working from home, if that person, if somebody's students don't have the right equipment, making sure they do have it like that, those two, the support and the consequences have got to go hand in hand. Um, I'd be more in favour of diverting any energy that like is being spent on people who just aren't going to do it, just really supporting the innovators and the people who are just maybe not quite innovators, but keen. Um, because I've always, uh, well, there's a lot of research into the kind of tipping points and change management and where you uh, divert your attention. And, you know, there's, there's no clear cut proof of anything. Otherwise change management would be easy. Um, but I, I I genuinely believe, because it has to be a faith thing, um, that uh, if you're going to put the energy in, why put it on someone who you know is not going to do the work? You're going to get results. Go with the people you're going to get results with. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, how can I not agree? I mean, you have to you have to work with the people that are going to work with you. Um, it it I just struggle with the idea that if I'm looking at it for as a student, um, then I don't necessarily want to see all the the stark difference between the innovator and the 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 person that doesn't um so from our perspective great because we we don't see it so we'll never see that person that doesn't do anything we'll only see the people that do so we'll turn around and we'll kind of pat ourselves on the back thinking oh we've done a good job um it's like all the work that we're doing looks great but then from the other the other perspective it's well why isn't my why isn't my experience at least consistent why have i got why have I spent all this money and I've got a module that is brilliant, which only goes to highlight the one that is terrible. And no matter how much I, I raise the questions and talk about it, that won't change because the people on the other end uh, don't care. It's not that they don't care. It's that actually they're spending their time, rightly so, working with the people that want to do it. But then no one is doing anything about the people that aren't and don't want to do it. And the only people that suffer are the fee paying students. I, I, I feel like we keep coming back to the idea that there needs to be some sort of consequence for not doing what is a basic requirement, right? Um, so I let mean, me give a different but, example. But the work, I mean, the, the, there, there were going to be consequences um, with the TEF. The TEF, the original idea of the TEF was to kind of um, 
tie the amount that you could charge to the quality of your your modules, your education, um, at which point there potentially would have been a, a lot more pressure from universities to kind of up the quality of of their modules because actually at that point it's probably worth spending a bit more money on kind of whether it's better teachers or more teachers um, when you know actually I'm going to get more money kind of in return for being able to charge more but when that kind of slipped through the net then I, yeah I don't think there's there's any any sense of um any sense of consequence for anybody um, and at a research intensive institution less so even less so um, which is sad so TEF isn't the only instrument there's there's performance management as well I was I, I was going to give the example of uh, lecture capture or event capture um, where you could say there's a case for people not uh, so the institute across the university sector they want their lectures recorded. Um, some of them have built into their policies and procedures, the union to push back. Um, and so there's a legitimate stance there where the union saying no and the institution saying yes, and it's not part of the contract, so they can say no, right? But if there are parts of their role, which they're not fulfilling, that are part of their role, and there's no, no kind of uh, pushback from any of the kind of unions or anything like that, then really they should just be doing their job. Like we should be doing our job. If you sat in the office all day long and like, you know, um, you never edited any of your films, you just filmed loads and loads of films and never edited them. I mean, what's the point in that? Sorry, that's my phone going off. Um, uh, you're only doing part of your job then, right? You know, I'm sorry to bring it back to editing. I know you do more than that, but just <laughs> remembering the reams and reams of editing you used to do. I don't even do Mac. that at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, but I, I, I agree. Um, if, I, if I sat in my room all day and did no editing, um, would someone else do that instead of me? to get the job done uh, and then i'd just be sidelined um is yeah i don't know i don't i don't really want to talk much about um performance management and the idea of of um not doing not doing enough i'm just wondering whether this is not kind of a little bit beyond the scope of our of, of our podcast and our job roles i think i think what we can do on is what we can do is actually do our best in terms of promoting the good instructional design and trying to promote the good instructional design promote good uh, pedagogy, promote good learning and teaching experiences and actually talk to people, build the relationship. And one person that is converted, you know, who, for example, I, and I had this conversation over and over and over again, that pe people that are, you know, so, deeply involved in the research that they can't see the benefit of teaching or, you know, and, and there are some cognitive biases and, you know, all people are, are victims of the cognitive biases that, that, uh, that appear and exist. And if you are very involved in your research area, you sometimes you take for granted that other people, you know, know what you're talking about, but it's not the case. And the good teaching 
or good pedagogy should enable you to take a step back and think, okay, how do I need to convey the message? What am I trying to say? And what is the best platform for people to access those information? How can I promote the research that I'm doing? And I think this is what we need to focus on and how all of our efforts it should be on how to you know, maximize the potential uh, of the researchers and the people that we are working with to convey those messages and to share and to create a good pedagogical resources so everyone can benefit. And I, I, yeah, I, again, I, I think it's um, beyond our scope to discuss the things like performance management or you know, change management. I think what we can do as a part of our roles in whether this is at the university or whether this is the organization that you work or even in that podcast is what can we do to promote great instructional design what the great instructional design is what the great pedagogy is what are great teaching experiences and how to create those fully round up individuals you know who who are ready for labor market when they graduate um, I think, okay, so Carol, I think you're right. We probably have strayed way away from the, the original topic of remote teaching. But then you raised a point earlier on in the meeting about like, are we asking the right questions? And then so I guess, I guess what led me to thinking about this is when we try to set up lots of training and support and make sure people are well equipped to teach remotely, have we understood where they're coming from? Like, so part of that, I guess, is if they're not engaging, which seems to be the common problem that we hit up against and how do you deal with the people who aren't engaging? And so, yeah, I agree, we've strayed too far away. And like, I mean, performance management isn't necessarily something that happens in the HE sector, a massive amount. I, I can't remember of any cases uh, and it's unlikely to happen in the future. And probably those people who are not engaging with teaching are brilliant at other things, which is why they're in, in the job that they're in. And we have a very limited view. But I think it's it's worth recognizing with remote teaching, this one thing that we're doing isn't the only thing that they're focused on uh, or their only motivations. So how do we raise it up their agenda of something that's really, really important, put in quite a bit of work, let's be realistic, it's quite a lot of work at the outset, but then everything's easier for, yeah. uh, until you know, uh, you're doing a review and maybe an update, a review and maybe an update year on year as opposed to having to go in and deliver X lectures and seminars every year. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't claim that I have answers for that. And I think this is a really wonderful question. And this is a really wonderful question that I would, you know, I can spend ages thinking of. And as I mentioned, I don't claim that I have the answer, but I can just share my approach with that. And it's just trying to build a report and talk to people. If someone is, you know, if someone doesn't engage, trying to understand, okay, why you don't engage, you, why, why, why you are not engaging, and is there anything I can do to help you with? And is there anything that we can do to, you know, establish the relationship and move it forward? I guess, I guess Remy's, Remy's point um, is, well, maybe I'm not engaging because I'm doing something else. Maybe I'm doing world-class research, at which point, um, do a, how are you going to help me? How are you going to help me with that? So you're not, then you'll need, then you need lots of people around in different teams to be able to support that. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, I was just going to raise um, one more challenge, I guess, the challenge of how do we, how do we ride this wave? How do we keep the, the, that motivation um, and that enthusiasm kind of up as we've gone into remote teaching and then 
potentially will come out of remote teaching and our job I guess our job is very much to kind of stay there and say Cole okay we've done one part Let, let's keep it going let's keep that motivation up kind of keep talking to us um, so we can keep that that kind of relationship open so everyone knows okay this is this is who you are this is what you do this is how we can help um, so when we do get to next September or the September after we're still working on blended we're still working on producing all of this material um, rather than what what tends to happen is we're very um, reactive um, and we we just do what needs to be done and actually we need to be looking forward in terms of okay who are we and how can we support the the teachers moving forward and what does that support look like um because otherwise yeah all that's going to happen is we'll just be in the same situation as we was were before lockdown which is you got great ideas but um no one no one wants to whether it's no one wants to listen or there's just no one there everyone's just just busy doing all the stuff that they need to do and rightly so they've got a job they can't spend 100 percent of their time on this can they um but yeah I'll, I'll leave i'll leave it um leave it there um unless there's anything anyone else wants to bring all i'd say is we'll probably be probably be talking about this for a while anyway won't we um moving forward but yeah um thank you um carl and mummy for um joining me on this and hope you enjoy the rest of your day and anyone that is listening i hope you enjoy the rest of your day too thanks thank you you've been listening to the beyond digital education podcast if you liked what you've heard please do listen to more of our podcasts and please do engage with us on the topics we've raised Thank you.